following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Are we getting close, guys? Are we getting close to a one day during the Big 12 tournament that we start hearing this fight song? Okay, don't say anything, Troy, but does anybody know this fight song? I'll give you a second if you don't know. Travion, whose fight song is this? I wouldn't have the slightest clue. Well, here you go. Spelling Gonzaga seems kind of like a tongue twister. The way they do it. Yeah, it's a little rough. But there's a lot happening in that fight song. Thank you, though, for uh, just reminding me. I need to have a friend of mine who attended school here uh, on with me at some point. We used to critique fight songs. (laughs) Just as a go through and kind of critique. It would be actually an interesting segment just to throw away a little time and go through fight songs to get... You know, go over what people think of them. The reason I know a lot of fight songs is because of the old NCAA football games. Sure. And, of course, Gonzaga wouldn't be in there. They don't have football. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the college basketball games, they, they didn't last too long. The EA sports basketball games, they weren't around for a long time. Um, but de- <laughs> they, instead of having a soundtrack on those video games with, like, you know, actual, like, you know, uh, I say actual, like, bands rock bands or rappers or whatever it was just fight songs that was the uh so you knew the fight songs you probably just didn't know which one belonged to who with all of them yeah yeah it was the draw you know and they recognized that the game was about if you're playing college football then you want the fight songs you want the tradition it's not like the baltimore ravens marching band or anything like that Welcome to the game, Mitch Fortner, Trey Coverdale, Travion Birkeland wearing a I Heart New York hoodie. Love it. I'm guessing he bought it in Times Square, did you? No. I can't remember the name of the place. Amazon's wonderful. No, it's not Amazon. <laughs> oh, all the touristy shops you'll find in, in, in uh, the most touristy place in America, Times Square. Right. It was in Manhattan near Chinatown. I'd have to look up the place, but it's... Hmm. Run by this really nice guy. I've been there a couple did, times. Did you buy? It? You didn't buy it on the street. You actually bought it in a shop. Yes, yes. This guy's been there since for like forty years with this one store. And but it's but awesome. Vegas and Honolulu have ha- have got to be right behind Times Square in terms of. Yeah, it's, see, the thing is about like Times Square. Like people think, all right, I just got to New York. Let's go to Times Square. 
I've seen this place on TV a whole bunch. Let's go there. It's the worst. All of all of it, it built around a newspaper that doesn't even have its offices in that area anymore. Yeah, Times Square, I think, is the most overrated tourist attraction in America. Anyway. It's so crowded, and now jay Z's going to put that casino in there. Oh, so I didn't know that. It's going to be crazy. That's interesting. That actually, I might actually go now. <laughs> there, there are all kinds of jokes that could be made about Rudy Giuliani completely <laughs> ruining Times Square from what it was in the 70s, but you've got to understand the era and know, yeah. The thing about Chinatown, not only can you get amazing food in Chinatown, you can't walk very far without somebody trying to sell you something. <laughs> Fake bags or jewelry, sunglasses. Get that Rolex here. Uh, my friend, when he visited me when I was living there, there was a guy selling fake Rolexes on the street out of a suitcase or out of a briefcase. And I was like, I told him when he got there, I was like, just ignore these people. Just walk by them. They're used to being ignored. It's no big deal. He stops and is just interested right away. And then the guy goes, all right, how much money you got? He's like, oh, I don't know. He's like, I'll sell you one for 200. He's like, all right, I ain't got that much. He's like, how about 20? Okay, that sounds good. It's like what? A, what kind of negotiation is this? That was the easiest way. Reminded me of horrible bosses. Did, did just out of curiosity, was it spelled R U L E X? I have no idea. But he tells me that that watch still works. It, the oh, funny man. thing is, it was wrapped in plastic. Oh, of course. When he bought it, it was like you know, like the toys that you used to find in, in the bottom of cereal boxes, and yeah. the plastic it was wrapped yeah. in. It was like that. So it was all. It was pre-produced and. You know, but it, actually, cow. it did look really good, and it still works. It's on the same battery, and nice. it still works. Nice job, China. It's amazing. Uh, and you got it for 20 bucks. Memories of New York. That's what the store is called that okay. I got this at. Uh, okay. Anyway, let's jump back to the previous yeah, we're, topic. We're, we're on the other coast now. Yeah, let's go to yeah Washington, <laughs> not New York. So the reason Gonzaga has been brought up, and Dennis Dodd uh, put out a, a lengthy article yesterday about this as we were doing the show. Uh, and he's, of course, from CBS Sports and very occasionally shows up to a K-State game or presser. Right. Well, much different from the days when he covered it for the uh, star. Yeah, the Big 12 uh, presidents and ADs are meeting in Dallas. Uh, they're at the uh, International Airport Grand Hyatt for their meetings. And a big item on the agenda is Gonzaga's potential membership in basketball. We had heard about this months prior and I guess the story goes that the Big 12 members have been pitched this idea. They were given a presentation. Uh, maybe the like you know they didn't really talk dollar amounts at that point, but a decision, of course, wasn't made. And Brett Yormark, we know that this guy wants to take the Big 12 coast to coast. Now, I, I've always thought it'd be weird to add Gonzaga. The reason is because they're only basketball. Uh, for Brett York, Brett Yormark to you know check mark a big box of making an impact early, which he already has, adding four teams to the Big Twelve in all sports. But to getting coast to coast is a major goal for him in extending in, in in branching out with the brand of the Big Twelve, expanding it coast to coast. He wants the Big Twelve to be in every time zone, with probably the exception of you know like Alaska and Hawaii. Uh, so, 
Yes, that would check and marks, but they're just a they're just a Big Twelve program, or they're just a basketball program for the Big Twelve. And I don't think any of their other sports would be joining the Big Twelve, at least as far as I know. But the West Coast Conference probably wouldn't be too happy about that if they still have Gonzaga in all their sports, but basketball, because that was the whole reason to bring in Gonzaga, was for basketball. And they've been in that conference for. God, a long time. Well, 43 years. They were one of the original members of, I I, I know, I people get tired of me hear, hearing me say this stuff. Big Sky. Well, allow me to correct myself. The, re, you know, the reason the West Coast Conference, basketball-wise, is Gonzaga. Gonzaga is the face and the only face, really, yes. of, of basketball in yes. that conference. And they have the advantage right now in the fact that they receive 70% of the NCAA tournament payout. For that conference. Let's face it, they dominate the conference. Um, And everybody else has been trying to keep pace. Conference improved when they went ahead and added BYU. Because BYU went independent in football at the same time that Utah left the Mountain West Conference to go to the Pac-12. BYU didn't want to get stuck in the Mountain West at the same time and not have Utah there. So they... That's how things have played out now to where BYU's coming into the Big 12. That was when BYU was added to the West Coast Conference as a member in everything, you know, but because they're the only ones that play football. The interesting aspect of that is it is also, save for now one public school and BYU, an all-Catholic conference. Every school in that conference is a is a private catholic school jesuit for the most part um so you're going to have some hard feelings in that aspect too if gonzaga bails on the conference you know you're talking uh, san francisco portland you know there, there's some longtime ties there uh that are going to be hurt and you're right the the co- the conference may not want the other sports to stick around which would be a shame uh, in many ways, but the Big 12 is put into a spot, then what do you do? How do you set things up to be able to handle the varied sports besides basketball and women's basketball? Yeah, you know, you, ba- baseball comes to mind right away. And you might be able to explain this better than I could, because again, this is one of my least favorite topics to talk about, sure. even though it does benefit the Big 12, and it's also kind of Brett Yormark once again, just stomping on what is a smoldering fire that is the Pac-12 because they still don't have their new media rights deal done. And the Pac-12 probably wants to be in the driver's seat to add Gonzaga. But they're not going to do anything until they have this new deal done. You have Gonzaga in a position right now where they have three potential suitors. The Big 12, the Pac-12, and going back to the Catholic aspect of it and the private aspect of it, the Big East. How about throwing that one in for good measure? But the last time that the Big East... That'd be brutal for Gonzaga. But when the Big East made its move and added Creighton and added DePaul and moved at least far enough to the West that it became feasible for the Blue Jays to be a part of it. Sure, you don't have to go across the country to play every game, just halfway sometimes. Correct, exactly. <laughs> but but because you've got the number of private Catholic schools that are in that conference, there would be an interest there because 
originally the old Big East Conference was mostly built on private Catholic schools. Um, you know, the, the, the schools want to keep their schools that way. The, the church wants to keep its schools <laughs> as close as they can get in those conferences as well. Uh, and so there's an interest there, but I don't know that they would ever consider it, truly consider it, unless things fall desperately off the uh, off the table for them in terms of relevance. Uh, and the further that expansion of the Big 12 goes or the maneuvering of the Pac-12 goes, you know, that the West Coast Conference is on a bad footing as it pertains to the NCAA tournament. Because as of right now, they're at best a two-bid league in most years. And you know who those two bids are. Gonzaga, BYU. You get the occasional run by uh, St. Mary's. San Francisco has made some noise of late. That's how Todd Golden wound up at Florida, for one. But can they maintain consistency? Don't get me started on Todd Golden. No, and and I, yeah, I understand the point completely. He's a stooge. Understand the point completely. Um. So you're you're talking about a situation where Gonzaga's looking at all things considered and recognizing that they're going to have to strike if they want to remain in that upper echelon in terms of basketball relevance. But so from what I heard about you know Gonzaga, I, I've heard this reported by a few that you know, if the Big Twelve wants Gonzaga, they could probably have them. It probably, probably wouldn't so. be that big of a deal. Probably I'm just so. guessing the fini- what is the financial part of that? What is, I guess, the holdback would that be? Is that what is how much is it considered that you know the Big Twelve and its media rights deal? You know how much exactly of that money is being brought in because of basketball? Probably not a whole lot. The, the rough estimate is twenty percent of your contract okay. with with the networks is basketball tied. So there, you also have to deal with. How much are you parceling out to Gonzaga under the deals that you currently have when you add them? Because I'm sure Gonzaga, I mean, if they're going to jump, they want a good piece of the pie. They, Absolutely. They know their brand. Absolutely. Even though they don't come from a good uh, like market, Spokane, up in Washington, it's probably not the best market. But it does get the Big 12 coast to coast, so that meets something the Big 12 really wants. I'll be honest. Spokane may be the most East Coast-like city in terms of design really? that I have seen on the West Coast. It's gritty. It's blue-collar. Um, Rent is sky high? No, not necessarily okay. that. No, I, I'm just talking in terms of uh, design. Rent in ter- is also very it, West Coast as well. What's that? Sky-high rent. Well, very yeah, there, there well. is that matter as yeah. well. Uh, but... You know, it's 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 pretty when you get outside of the city. Never it been. is really wonderful area, and uh, you also have the entering interesting aspect of that they are locked into a spot where you've got Washington State just down the road, UW sitting across state. They're as a university, they're the draw. In the region, they are. There, there's no doubt about it, uh, because Wazoo has had their issues and 
much like we talk about, uh, you know, driving to games here in Manhattan at times, fans aren't so hep on driving over to uh, Moscow or to uh, Pullman, Pullman to see all the games that uh, the Cougs play. And Spokane with Gonzaga with what they've done have really turned into a to a regional power in doing that. National power, just you know, let's be perfectly honest, few is just amazing at what he recruits yeah. and how he develops guys. And 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 I know Mark Few has a big, you know, a big voice. Oh yes. About if Gonzaga makes the jump or not. Oh yes, absolutely. I, I, uh, he he has the voice on whether they make the jump. Well, I will say, in my opinion, I think this is getting close. I bet this is probably close to being a done deal. Here's the other thing about the Pac-12 situation. As I mentioned, you have the close ties that you have with the religious build of the West Coast Conference. Cal Berkeley's not going to allow a religious school into the conference in the Pac-12. And the Stanford folks may be right behind them. But Cal Berkeley especially. The way that they run their athletic department, the way they run the university, they're not. And that's been a discussion topic dating all the way back to the first wave when the Pac-12 was looking at potentially adding schools from the Big 12 before Nebraska et al. left. Because there was the talk that Texas had the dalliance with the with the Pac-12 and you had Baylor that wanted to tag along, potentially. Well, Cal's not going to let Baylor into a conference. With the pickup of BYU coming into the Big 12, you've shown that, and, and with Baylor already here, Texas Christian already here, you've shown that there's not animosity towards religious schools in the conference. And I think that that feels much more welcoming to Gonzaga administration-wise uh, than what the Pac-12 would. Hey, Pac-12, don't worry. The Aztecs from San Diego State are waiting for your invite they're ready to uh jump up the one there's your ad the the one flaw that i see from a physical standpoint with adding gonzaga besides the mileage to go from morgantown to spokane (laughs) uh it's a five thousand seat arena would be automatically become the smallest arena in the big 12 you honestly that that think that the big 12 would see that as an issue no I'm just pointing it out as a as a note that there will be people that will poo-poo adding Gonzaga because, are you kidding? That small? I think the only issue people would have with adding Gonzaga is, oh, great. Well, it's jealousy. The other team that could maybe kick our ass, yeah. Yeah, jealousy as much as anything. It's, I'm just pointing out a technical fact. They have what would be, by by its nature, the smallest arena. Now, the question becomes, because it is 25 years old, when do they start looking for expansion of that thing? Possible. Hey, a little bit more Big 12 money. Quite possible. Spend it on uh, better digs. Quite possible. All right. Well, you know, the other thing that was on the agenda for the Big 12 is obviously, of course, um, Texas and Oklahoma. They want to leave the Big 12 early. They want to be out by the end of this academic year. Um, be a fun question to ask Mason, who's going to join us at 510. What happens first? Texas and Oklahoma getting what they want or uh, adding Gonzaga for basketball. By the way, Brett Yormark will be in town Saturday. He'll be here for the uh, ribbon cutting for the new Shamrock indoor practice facility. And that's going to be happening at 145 Saturday. So if you're going to the game, make sure to stop by the indoor uh, before you head in. 
because uh, Brett Yormark will be there. Maybe they'll, uh, I don't know if they're going to let people in to go Said, check yeah, it out. Yeah, uh, the release noted that it would be doors open at 115. A friend uh, said earlier that, uh, hey, if Brett's going to be in town, bring those uh, Gonzaga representatives. Show them the best atmosphere in the Big 12. I'm like, he doesn't need to, they don't need to see the atmosphere. They'll just walk in and be like, whoa, this place is huge. They'll be in. Be like, this is double what we have, which is. We're 11,000 at, at uh, Bramlage now. It used to be bigger, of course. Yes. Uh, all right, let's take a break. When we come back, hey. Earlier today, us media got to chat. I couldn't go, unfortunately. I had an appointment. But uh, other media, we got the audio, got to meet some of the new K-State football players. We're going to be meeting two of them today in the second hour. We will hear from new K-State quarterback Avery Johnson. But up next, another Kansan. He's going to tell us what it's like being a roommate with Avery Johnson. And that's safety Wesley Fair from Wichita. Next on the game. El Gay Marino, Mitch Fortner, Trey Coverdale, Travion Berkland. You look a little bit more rested today. Did you get a little sleep? Yep. No night shift last night. So. Oh, nice. Full, full how'd, ahead. How'd you get out of that? I just don't do it on uh, Wednesdays and the Thursdays. Okay, so you're, you're Friday through Tuesday? It's usually Sunday through Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. Have you been robbed yet? I've had a couple scares, yeah. A couple scares. Been there, bud. Been, yeah. That's just the convenience store game. Right. And working the overnight hours. Did, did you pull out Dirty Harry? We don't have anything. Oh, okay. The only thing I could pull out is maybe a broom. <laughs> have you ever shot a gun before? Uh, I think the last time I did was like, I was like 12 and my dad pulled out a shotgun. I mean, and you're we, from a super small town. Yeah. I'm, I've only shot a gun ever twice, so... Did you actually, what town did you say you lived in again? Oldsburg, Kansas. Okay. That's where I'm from. I was, gonna say, I was about to say Randolph, but that wasn't, that wouldn't be right. Randolph's like five minutes away. Yeah. Have you ever been to a Turkish bath? Oh, never mind. No. Sorry. <laughs> I, you're going to have to help me here. Airplane. Airplane. <laughs> oh, okay. How many people live in Oldsburg? Like 200 people. It's really I don't think tiny. I've ever been. It's really in tiny. Oldsburg. It's a Oh, I've drive driven through. through so many times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Literally. All right, we continue with Hour 1 of the game. Hour 2 will feature uh, media having their first chance to talk to new K-State quarterback Avery Johnson since getting here onto uh, campus, and he will, of course, be here for spring balls. He uh, left high school a semester early. Mason Volt from Email Online joins us in Hour number 2 as well. But from that media gathering earlier today, the media had a chance to meet a whole bunch of new K-State Wildcats. I picked out a couple of my favorites uh, from the interviews today. Really enjoyed this one. He's actually a roommate of Avery Johnson. And you know what? I I truly feel that we will see him sooner or later on the field for the Cats playing some safety. He's from Wichita Collegiate High School, and his name is Wesley Fair. As far as some of the older guys on the team go, is there anybody that you kind of gravitated to? Have you and maybe had a relationship with somebody now that you're finally here? Just kind of talk about that, the defensive side of the ball and specifically the safety one. Yeah, so there's a couple of guys that I've been uh, gravitating to and learning from, and that's one of them is uh, Kobe Savage. Obviously, he played uh, strong safety last year, and so me learning from him is huge and just um, trying to 
gain as much as I can. And then another guy is um, Jordan Wright, and he plays corner, but knowing technique for stuff like that. So I've been going to the field with him and trying to get my technique down. And then obviously the guys in the mid-year mid class like uh, Marquise and Cam Salas. And so those two guys, I've been bonding with them because we're all learning at the same time. And I think we're all going to be pretty good and grow together. So, yeah. How do you take an opportunity to potentially get on the field early considering the amount of guys that need to be replaced in the back half of the defense? Yeah, so I think there's a there's a lot of guys back there. At first it kind of shocked me. I was like, there's a lot of safeties back here. I, I need to figure out a way to distinguish distinguish myself. And so I think the biggest thing is learning the playbook. And when you're out there knowing what's happening, because then it will be able to slow the game down and you actually be able to get reads and know where you're supposed to be. And I think that's one of the biggest things over athleticism and making plays obviously you got to make plays but i think knowing the playbook is bigger than the athletic standpoint as far as learning the playbook like how difficult has that been at the college level because i would imagine it's insanely complex in comparison to what you were doing in high school yeah so i was saying in high school it was i was just out there on defense running around and it was i was a lot more focused on the offensive side of the play and so the defense now when i'm i'm in college it's a lot different it's um way more in depth and so i've been in the coach's office every single day learning and learning and i'm really excited because i've learned so much and i think it's really going to help me out so yeah what kind of things have you learned about watching film in maybe a more effective manner than you did when you were younger as far as taking notes or just looking for specific things yeah so i think one of the biggest things i'm doing right now is I'm still learning how to watch film and stuff like that. So even I've been talking to Kobe Savage, I'm like, okay, we're going to go watch film because, you know, we're both trying to he, – he likes watching film too. So it's like it's a win-win. And so that's one of the things I'm still working on and see what I'm looking for when I'm watching film and stuff like that. But I think one thing I'm doing well right now is taking notes while I'm in um, film sessions and um, in meetings with coaches, just making sure I'm taking notes and then – later in the day going over the notes and making sure I actually know them and so yeah. So when you're going to watch film right now, are you watching film of future opponents? Are you watching film of older players in practice, other players at your position who've had success? Like just kind of take me through what kind of film you're watching at the moment. Yeah. So at first since I didn't know much of the schemes yet, I was watching practice and see to see what um drills and practice they are doing and see what I can mimic and practice on my own so I'm ready to uh to compete. And so then I started gravitating once once I started learning the playbook. I started gravitating more towards um, watching our defense and the games last year and see what um, schemes they're doing and um, stuff like that. And so I'm just learning. I'm just learning all at the same time. And so right now I'm into the part where I'm watching last year's film and seeing what the guys are doing good and what I can improve on what they're doing. And so what's impressed you the most about Kobe? Kobe, uh, he's aggressive. That's one of the things that uh, it just like takes you back at first. I was watching a film, I think it was against like South Dakota and he just came downhill and hit somebody super hard. And there was a flag, I was like, oh, that's probably targeting. But no, it was a uh, holding or something like that. But I think that's one of the most impressive things. He's Every time I watch him, he's in the right spot. And so it's like he knows his stuff. So that's one of the reasons I gravitate towards him. It's just because I know he knows what he's talking about. And he's a real, he's a leader and he's a good person as well. And so that's I asked me. Avery this. Are you, are you past the surreal part of, oh my gosh, I'm here? Oh, uh, I think so. I think I'm more into the mindset of 
put my head down, let's grind, let's learn and let's get bigger, stronger, faster. And so I think at first it was it was really like, wow, I'm on my own. It's just all us, but it's I'm really not on my own. There's a lot of, there's a big community here that's ready to support you. And I have my roommates, Avery and uh, teammates that um, are just all there to push each other and we're all gonna get better and grow together. So yeah. So no brainer, you're gonna be roommates with Avery? Uh, I think so. I think I think I knew I was gonna be roommates with Avery just because we've been friends since we were little. So it was, it was an easy decision. And I know he has the right focus, and I have the right focus. So we go well together. Good roommate. Yeah, pretty good roommate. <laughs> we're both really, we're both actually really clean. Um, so our 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 apartment's pretty clean, and uh, most of the guys come over to our apartment and uh watch games and stuff like that so yeah we have a good we have some snacks and pretty good chiefs guy uh no 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 uh i'm a cowboys fan no way yeah so it was tough season end but i mean i won't i will never go against the chiefs but um cowboys first just being from yeah yeah cowboys first but being from kansas i'll cheer for them but they're not my favorite team right What's the uh, toughest part about the transition to Um, I think the toughest part has just been our schedules have been uh, tremendously like busy, and so just having making sure you're sleeping, get enough sleep because you're going from 5 a.m. to 7 at night, and so just you're going all constantly day and make sure you're getting your rest and having control of your schedule or well, that if you do have free time you're not just gonna be sitting on TikTok or on your phone or anything like that you're actually uh taking time to learn the playbook so then you can make more of the meeting times when you have coaches and like doing your homework and because that's that stuff is important that's one of another transition the um college classes i wouldn't say they're too bad but they're they're a little different than I'm going to use so yeah. You know, I knew there was a reason why I like this Wesley kid, other than being a great athlete. Number six kid out of the state of Kansas, a part of arguably the best recruiting class in K-State football history. The fact he keeps his apartment clean? Keeps his, uh, well, I'm not a clean person, oh. but I do admire that. Oh, oh uh, people I thought are able that to keep was maybe, their, yeah, okay. Uh, keep their places clean on a regular basis. That really is a talent. Yeah, I'm, I'm, really I'm trying to avoid you saying what it is that you, your reason, I know why. Yeah, the kid's lucky that he's only lived 17 or 18 years as a painful Cowboys fan. Just 17 or 18 years. That's a walk in the park. This guy. When we come back, uh, hour two, by the way, Avery Johnson, we're going to hear from him at 525. Mason both at 510. But up next, huge win for the K-State women's basketball team last night. Head coach Jeff Mitty joins us after this timeout. We continue with the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, Travion Berkland. K-State women's basketball, a huge win last night over number 12 Iowa State, 78-77 in Bramlage Coliseum for their 14th win of the season, now 3-7 and in conference play. And we are once again pleased to be joined by the women's basketball head coach of Kansas State, Jeff Mitty. And coach, congratulations on last night's win. I know you were asked this question last night, but with just the recent rough stretch and trying to get this season back on track, how important was that win last night? Yeah, well, everyone's critical. We need to have a really, really good February. We did not have a good January. And uh, just for 
team's confidence. You know, we talked, you know, when we talked last week, Mitch, you know, we talked about we were seeing good improvement. We were seeing some things in practice. But ultimately, uh, you've got to validate that with a performance in the game. And, uh, you know, we try not to be – we're in a results-oriented business, and um, we try to keep the focus on improvement. But at the end of the day, you want to see the results when you play the game. You know, the previous meeting in Ames, I remember watching that game and you know thinking to myself, you know, if, if a couple of other plays went your way during a certain stretch, then it's an even game. Who knows who can win? Because that was a close game for a while. Did you take any yep. way, anything away from that game in Ames and, and apply it to – the game last night, thinking, you know, if these go our way, we can get this done? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the one thing about Iowa State, they're, they're such a talented team and they're such a talented offensive team. But when you talk about matchups, they don't pressure your guards, so you're going to be able to run off them. The biggest challenge with them is that how good of shots can you get uh, because they do a really good job of kind of walling you off uh, – of anything easy, and if you don't have good shot discipline, uh, they can bait you into some bad shots. What I, what I liked about our attack last night is um, we had better shot discipline. We had better commitment to um, getting the shots that we talked about prior to the game, but we've been seeing these things, I think, over the last two weeks get better and better. So, once again, it was just good. Uh, um, but I do think there was a benefit about that it was a close game in Ames. It, um, I think, I, I think it was a two-point game with maybe six and a half to go or something. And um, uh, so I think we can't. I, I think we did come out of there feeling like the next time we played uh, played them, there would be an opportunity. I remember a stretch there. I'm, you know, sometimes it gets a little fuzzy for me with my memory, but I remember Emily Ebert making some really key, you know, back-to-back plays into the third, start of the fourth to regain the lead and team did a good job of like you know holding on to that lead and I thought a big part of that was the way your team was able to get downhill with the guard play and drive to the hoop and take a guard one-on-one make a nice spin move and score how big was that when it came to the game plan on, on try to attack in that style yeah I thought Everett had some timely plays in there and then I thought in the fourth quarter Jalen Glenn was fantastic she made a couple of those drags you're referencing and um you know it's not easy to get downhill against iowa state but what i will say when we went back on film and what we were encouraging our players to do was uh there was more space than you think i think iowa state likes to show you crowd but they really don't help and rotate. They really they really rely on their one-on-one defense, but they like to show you a crowd. And I think in the first matchup, we didn't get downhill enough because we saw people there, and um, there was more space than we realized. Debbie Gregory would be a player that we talked to her about. There's more space than you realize. Um, you know, um, you can you can get downhill. You can get downhill. You can get to your spot in the post-up game. Um, there's space to utilize that I don't think she felt like there was space the first time we played them. Well, Gabby Gregory scores 27 points, and I was kind of looking at the numbers. I kind of felt like that might have been her best offensive efficiency game with uh, you know 3 of 5 from 3 and 9 of 14 from the field, got to the free throw line. 
but you mentioned last week how she had been under the weather, and I think I heard a story on the broadcast last night of her like at times having to go to the locker room so she could puke and then come back in. Like it's a crazy story. Was she feeling better by the time you guys got to Lawrence? Yeah, she was. Yeah, that was the Oklahoma State game that she was running back to the locker room to uh, yeah to <laughs> throw up essentially. Yeah, and uh, she was feeling pretty good at the Kansas game. Um, you know, this is probably the healthiest we've been with some of the ankle injuries and uh, you know, Gabby missed the Texas game. You know, everybody's kind of going through that. Of course, we had the early season where we, we lost players for the season, but you know, once you get into the season, you're you're also dealing with bumps, bruises, ankle tweaks, um, illness, and, and so um we're relatively healthy, knock on wood. I hope that continues because I think we're starting to play good basketball. I'd like to get your opinion on how you felt like your team played defense last night because I thought it was an interesting case. Like, so, you know, Iowa State, they got really good scores, right? So, they, you know, most of their top players, they get their points, but Emily Ryan. Is a is a good case here. The junior from Claflin, mm-hmm. she's she yeah. nine points, eight assists, but she's the best free throw shooter in the conference, and she does not go to the free throw line. Also, has six turnovers. How'd you feel like your your D played? Well, I, I think our defense played better, um, and I think when you talk about um, the game plan coming in, one of the hard things about Iowa State is they're one of the top three point shooting teams in the country. They're one of the uh, top free-throw shooting teams in the country, and it's hard to take away both. One of the things we felt like was that in not taking away both, the one thing we did not want to do was foul them. And Jones and Ryan are two specific players that get to the free-throw line, and not only do they get to the free-throw line, but they convert about 90% of them. I thought our group did an excellent job of, of not bailing them out, not fouling them, um, making good decisions if they did get them down low. Ryan and Jones both made some plays, but we didn't give them extra plays. So I, I thought our defense played much smarter uh, and um, better than we have been. Um, so, yeah, and, and it's against one of the better offensive teams in the league. Speaking with K-State women's basketball coach Jeff Mitty on the game. Well, up next, you're back on the road as you're now 14-9. and You'll be facing a uh, Texas Tech team in, in Lubbock who beat you in the first meeting 85-65. But they've also, you know, now they're in kind of in a rough stretch right now where they've lost their last three games. What are some keys for the second meeting against the Red Raiders? Well, that was our worst game of the year, uh, by my assessment. Um, we did not play well. And uh, they mixed their defenses up. We did not make good decisions. We did not show good shot discipline in that game. Um, defensively, we seemed scattered in that game, and, and that's a credit to Texas Tech. They had us on our heels most of the day. Um, I think some keys will go back to the same thing I just mentioned. Uh, we cannot put Brie Amber Scott on the free throw line. She shot 19 free throws against us here in Manhattan. We cannot have that kind of number. We've got to we've got to show better discipline and better defense. Um, and the two that hurt us here were Scott and Shavers. Both are capable scorers, and uh, they they hurt us here um, offensively. Um, you know, I, I want to see the same thing. I want to I want to see the 
I, I think there's no reason why we can't continue to do the same thing we've been doing. I think uh, we've been getting downhill better. We've been making better decisions. We've been able to play out of the post with our guards some. And uh, I think we've got to continue to make improvements there, but just continue to uh, have a good commitment to doing that. One more, Coach, real quick. Uh, last night I wasn't able to be there, but from what I could hear on the TV broadcast, it sounded like a pretty solid environment. Was it a good crowd? It was a great crowd. I, I tell you what, uh, uh, give the students food and bucket hats, apparently, and we can get big crowds. So um, I'm in search of uh, 500 more bucket hats. <laughs> um, you, you know, they make such a difference. They make such a difference, um, and it, I, I really appreciate it because um, we probably don't win that game without the crowd, and um, and we have we did not play well. I know our team hated the fact that we had we've had good crowds all of January, and we we weren't playing good. And I know our team feels you know like you know we need to play good in front of our fans, and they want to. But uh, the students made a big difference last night. Um, and I hope it continues because they were a big part of our win last night. And in uh, our season ticket holders, you know, we had a, a nachos for Nick, which is the scouting report. Coach Nick goes over that before the game. And uh, I think it was our second best crowd ever for that, which was probably puts it at 250, 300 people before the game. So um, we're having good crowds. We're having good crowds and uh, our group's doing a good job of that. Yeah, I hope the win last night gave everybody a shot of energy to come watch your team play. Coach, uh, safe travels to Lubbock, and best of luck against Texas Tech. Okay, Mitch. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks. And the Cats will take on uh, Texas Tech Sunday. That game will be on ESPNU. I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, One of the things in mentioning the Nachos with Nick event beforehand, don't forget they've got Wine Wednesday coming up. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a, uh, Another event for the Shamrock Zone. They don't play a midway game next week, but they will have Baylor in town on the 15th. Mm-hmm. And that's your Wine Wednesday. Uh, by the way, uh, the uh, the Cats play 1 o'clock Sunday at Correct. Texas Tech. Off in the midweek, which you don't get that for men's basketball. Women's right. basketball, they get a nice little... Uh, little break there before Oklahoma comes to town, which, by the way, K-State is right in the middle. The K-State women are uh, in the middle of three or four games on ESPNU. So I like this coverage they're now getting. Yes. And of course, you know some of that was built, of course, on Aoka Lee, but the rematch against Oklahoma after Aoka Lee scored the 61, no Yoki, that'll still be a really fun matchup. Oklahoma's solid. Taylor Robertson mm-hmm. just got to visit Steph Curry because she set the all-time three-point makes record in NCAA history. They were buzzing last weekend down at Mac about that. Hour two of the game will feature my conversation with Mason Voth at 510, former host of this show now with email online. Avery Johnson will meet the new K-State quarterback at 525. Hour two of the game is coming up. Your local news is in two minutes.